Welcome to Healthy Choices with your host, Ray Solano from Austin, Texas. We're ready for your calls right now. Call in toll-free at 877-956-9566. Now, here's your host, Ray Solano. Well, welcome to Healthy Choices XM as we're broadcasting live from Austin, Texas. And as always, we're the only show on Family Talk XM 131 that's live on Saturday afternoon. And we've been at this for over 15 years, and we're really excited to bring this special edition of Healthy Choices today to you. I'm clinical pharmacist and board-certified clinical nutritionist, Ray Solano. I'm your host and ready to answer your questions today about your health and how you can make responsible choices that can change your life. Our phone number is 877-956-9566. Or you can always text us anytime during our show or during any of our recordings at 512-219-0724. And as promised today, we're going to give you a special edition of Healthy Choices XM with two experts in integrative medicine, joining our show today to talk about toxic mold. Dr. Richie Shoemaker is a recognized leader in biotoxin illness, and Jackie Meinhardt, a board-certified family nurse practitioner practicing at the Virginia Center of Health and Wellness at Aldi, Virginia, is going to be joining us as well. Dr. Jackie Meinhardt, welcome to Healthy Choices. Thank you, Ray, for having me. This is very exciting. Oh, it really is. You know, we, we want to get the word out uh, and try to give our part to be able to give some awareness and some, some strategies how to prevent and maybe help with some of these, some of the, I guess, the consequences of this major, major storms. And I guess you're, and for our listeners, you're trained in neuroendocrine disorders and especially toxic mold. You're very gifted in, uh, in this area. You helped a lot of patients. That's why we wanted you to join us today. For our listeners, a toll-free number is 877-956-9566. Jackie's here to answer any of your questions live for our, our whole hour today. And you can always text us uh, even during our interview with Dr. Richie Shoemaker at 512-219-0724. And as always, check out our website, healthychoicesxm.com for podcasts and also previous shows and our new e-commerce site. We want to thank P, uh, PD Labs, Prescription Dispensing Labs, a nationally licensed pharmacy centered on uh, research-driven pharmaceuticals for today's sh- show. Jackie, well, we, before we get into our interview with Dr. Richie Shoemaker, I think you would agree to me that this is a major problem. The floods that have occurred in all the southern states are going to have a, another storm brewing, and it's going to be consequences of toxic mold and again yeah. this is it's, it's going to be a big deal isn't it it is going to be a big deal um for, on so many different levels as a matter of fact not just from a financial and from a socioeconomic standpoint but from a physical and health uh, standpoint as well with we know that um toxic mold or chronic inflammatory response syndrome has a genetic predisposition and can affect certain people um, more than others, if you will. And we know that's roughly about 22% of the population. So we know about 40 million people have the potential to be affected. Um, And those people in the southern states 
um, Puerto Rico and even in the islands. You know, we need to right. be aware and ready, um, you know, with the medical research that we have, the double-blind, placebo-controlled trials that we do have. We need to be ready to stand at the forefront to help these patients. You know, the, the, unfortunately, this is not mainstream medicine. It's going to take practitioners like yourselves that can be able to identify the the some of the early signs uh, for this. And this is what our show is about today is to be able to identify the problem, be able to get some, some maybe some simple tests and maybe some simple things to look for. And you can always, and we're going to do at the end of our show after our, the, the last uh, part of our show, we're going to have some questions that you can answer Jackie at 877-956-9566 today as well. And, Jackie, for our, our listeners, you've worked with Dr. Richie Shoemaker and his protocols, and he has, he has passion for being able to help these people with biotoxin illnesses, doesn't he? He does, and, you know, God bless that man. He has been around quite a long time um, research, discovering this disease process but then also, or identifying the disease process, and then through a very, very arduous process for the last 20, uh, since the early 1990s, really, um, being able to identify and track the disease process, being able to identify what's going wrong, and not only what's going wrong, but really how to treat these people um, in a very stepwise, appropriate, clinically significant method. Um, so it's been a wonderful journey to work with him and with Dr. Andrew Heyman at the Virginia Center for Health and Wellness. Um, it's been uh, an amazing uh, journey for me to work with so many different patients because, again, these patients have symptoms that, you know, are very common, especially the chronic fatigue um, and the unrelenting migrating pain. Um, you know, we see these people every day and they suffer in silence, quite frankly, because these disease, this disease process looks like or they don't have the, um, the, the outward symptoms, if you will, until much of the chronic stage. And just for our listeners know, you're an, a nurse practitioner, and you do as many t many of uh, uh, as health practitioners all know that you do all the work under oh. <laughs> many times. <laughs> and so you guys are doing the heavy lifting and doing and and listening to the patients. So we appreciate your work, and we do really appreciate your time today because we know who uh, who's really who's really working hard out there, don't we? Well, you're very kind. Thank you. You know, we all all providers, we all work very hard for the best outcomes for every one of our patients. And honestly, it's about getting the word out and helping providers understand exactly this disease process, because I bet you that every provider out there has a patient that looks like this. That's right. Well, we're going to go, uh, we're going to we have an interview tape with Dr. Richie Shoemaker we did earlier this week. He was not able to be on our show today, but he's really committed to this uh, event that we're going to do today and also the next show. So we'll start the interview, and then we'll, Jackie will come back with some questions. If anybody wants to text us during this, call at eight, excuse me, 512-219-0724, or you can call us at 877-956-9566. You're listening to Healthy Choices XM, and Sean, let's go ahead and get, start the, uh, the interview with Dr. Richie Shoemaker. Well, welcome to Healthy Choices XM. We've got a special guest, Dr. Richie Shoemaker, is taking time out of his schedule to be able to review for all the flood victims in Houston and in Florida 
this is something that's going to be with our society for some time. And many people don't realize not only do the structures of people losing their homes and the tremendous uh, loss of normal sanitation, the chemical exposure from all of the super funds and the areas that are uh, littered with a lot of environmental risks on top of it. But one thing that we, we need to look at is the tremendous increase in mold exposure. And Dr. Richie Shoemaker is an expert in this area, and he is going to outline this is something that people need to be aware of, and there is some screening techniques and some things that we can, we can do right now. Dr. Shoemaker, can you help us with this? Uh, the, what's going to be happening now with the mold in these floodwaters? Well, good morning, Ray. Thank you so much for letting me have a chance to talk with you. This is an incredibly important subject, and whenever we talk about exposure to the interior environment of water-damaged buildings, it most commonly is not in disaster settings where we have complications of standing water, complications of reduction of availability of electrical power, reduction of potable water, reduction of just about every uh, element that we consider to be part of a, of a normal daily life is, is impacted by disasters. But we know that the basic concepts that we have learned over the last 20 years in thousands of patients and 30-some published peer-reviewed uh, documents is that inside a water-damaged building, there are a number of sources <clears throat> of compounds that we call antigens. These are foreign proteins. These are foreign substances to which our body responds with an inflammatory response so that if we have a bee sting, we know that there are elements in the bee venom that set off our immune detection systems, and some people will have a local area of redness, other people will pass out, and a few unfortunate people have tremendous sensitivity and they die. Well, that same analysis of a bee sting can be applied in principle to what people breathe in, and there's some room for skin absorption here as well, but primarily aerosol inhalation of a group of compounds called antigens that are found inside water-damaged buildings. The sources of these antigens include molds and the filamentous molds. There's a few of them, not very many, but a few are associated with significant human illness, but the exposure to toxins from mold, while that does occur, is about 1% of the total problem. Far more likely will be antigens coming from bacteria, especially if there's been standing water for a period of time. Far more likely are antigens coming from compounds some people have heard of them, some people haven't, called actinomycetes. These are filamentous bacteria that are kind of living between the world of fungi and, and, and regular bacteria like E. coli and staph that we've heard about. Actinomycetes are probably underrepresented in the media more than anything else, and are probably the most important undiagnosed exposure that people in water-damaged buildings have. But there are more. There are compounds that are called inflammogens, 
And what these basically are are things that cause inflammation, kind of a made-up word, if you will. Mm-hmm. But inflammagens are chemicals. They're dead. You can't prevent illness effects by killing what's already dead. And here's a, the big mistake. I've seen a lot of people uh, in, uh, on, on the Internet advertising for mold-killing compounds and you know, spray this and fog that, as if killing were the right thing to do. And in fact, 99.8% of the things that make people sick inside water-damaged buildings are dead. So we're not talking about killing things as the way to go forward, but we need to understand that fragments of cell walls, the surrounding structures of bacteria and fungi, create inflammation just like a toxin does. And in fact, when you add up in reviewing the literature as we did on surviving mold in 2015, there are substantial bodies of literature that show us that at least 32 different entities can create inflammation. So if someone becomes sickened by a water damage building, which of the 32 did it? It's like this massive firing squad. You know, which bullet did the, the, the poor victim in? But the real issue is that we cannot separate injury from a mycotoxin, from an actinomyces toxin, from a bacteriotoxin, from a hemolysin, or from a beta-glucan by looking at a patient, talking to them, or even doing some simple tests. So this idea of specific causation, and maybe you've heard of that jargon term, this specific causation used to be present in discussion about what made people sick in water-damaged buildings. It's silly to try to say this did it when there's 32 different things that could have done it. And, in fact, they act synergistically such that if we mix together actinomycetes and mycotoxins, for example, it's not one and one is two, it's one and one is three, four, and five. So water-damaged buildings host a series of antigens that can make us ill, and the illness is not an allergy. I'm going to tell you again, it is not an allergy. It does not get better just by removing yourself from exposure. A lot of discussion, again, on the Internet and, well, from the government agencies as well, is possibly deliberately misleading, but certainly misleading. All I can tell you is that when inflammation gets started, we look at regulation of inflammation gone awry, and we know based on genetics, we know based on 20 years of studying thousands of patients and writing countless papers, we know that about 25% of people exposed in any urban area and rural area, it makes no difference what race or creed people have, it makes no difference what age people have, children are affected just like folks that are in assisted living. The real issue is that this is a problem with gene activation. And it gets hard when you're you know, still knee-deep in sticky water and mosquitoes are all around you trying to cut out drywall to think about genes being activated. Well, unfortunately, the genes don't think they will activate. They will create problems, and there will be people sickened, and the illness will not go away. It's not post-traumatic stress disorder. It's not upset with your lives being 
uh, in constant upheaval and savings being lost and all possessions being lost. This is a physiologic problem that is concentrated in scope because of the disaster effects. But what we know is that the problems are no different in a disaster zone than they are in a home with a wet basement or a leaky roof. So, so for our listeners, you've mentioned that this is not an allergy because many people associate mold. Oh, well, it's just an allergy. They can take their allergy shots, their allergy drops. This is a genetic manifestation of changes of this regulation that's occurring in the body that makes people ill for quite some period of time. It needs to be handled in much different manners. And it's going to be, I guess it's going to uh, be camouflaged in a completely different manner. And people are going to be living in temporary homes. And some of these homes that they're living in, they're not very clean either that, are, that FEMA is coming out with. We've had that happen before in the, in the Katrina. It made things even worse, didn't it? Some of the pictures that I took and some of the pictures that other people took were looking at the Ninth Ward and St. Bernard's Parish in, in areas devastated by Katrina were, were tragic because here we had FEMA finally, belatedly of course, responding to the need for safe housing. And there was water supply available. So if you had water supply available in post-Katrina New Orleans area, and you were given a FEMA trailer, what people didn't recognize that these trailers were full of organic compounds, volatile organic compounds, most especially formaldehyde. So what we saw were piles and piles of drywall and insulation and uh, trashed personal possessions thrown in a heap by the sidewalk knowing that somebody's going to come pick that up sometime to take it to some landfill. We don't know when that will be. But in this stinking heap of wet materials, and the moisture was adequate to let uh, microbes, including fungi and bacteria and actinomycetes, go nuts, people were living with their FEMA trailers with the doors and windows wide open to air out the VOCs. So any kind of particulates thrown in a pile outside, and remember with the hookups to the water supply, there was actually pretty limited areas to park the, the trailer and still clean houses. So that essentially what we were doing was contaminating trailers with particulates from the wet heap of materials. Meanwhile, the people are, have a, a Hobson's choice. Would they rather be affected by formaldehyde, or would they rather be affected by mycotoxins and mold? The choices were ones where there is no answer that says, I want to be safe. What we have in Houston, fortunately, is a far greater potential for the infrastructure to respond rapidly so we don't have uh, new FEMA trailers dotting the formaldehyde-laced landscape. Well, and unfortunately, there's still a very big shortage of homes. That It was in a Wall Street Journal this morning that it, it, there still hasn't been an answer for where they're going to go. To make situations even worse, we have a problem with mosquitoes. Uh, mosquitoes, of course, uh, many illnesses they do carry, but they are spraying it with an organophosphate. It's been around since the 50s. Nailed is the generic name. On top of it, it's the, so 
being sprayed with this organophosphate on top of this makes a very big toxic soup for our li- for our listeners. And we're gonna we're gonna come back in the second half of our show to give people some solutions because you know we're not just doom and gloom. But would you agree, uh, Doctor Shoemaker? This is not going to be very helpful being sprayed with this organophosphate on top of it. The answers to reasonable questions, what will this do to me if I'm healthy? What will this do to me if I have innate immune responses and lack of regulation of inflammation as a pre-existing condition have, have not been looked at. We know formaldehyde, for example, was a bad idea. Uh, can we say that there's safety with widespread use of organophosphates? We had concerns last year when Zika virus was rampant around uh, areas north of Miami and spray, spray, spray. Uh, turns out there weren't as many cases of Zika as what people had feared. Uh, I've heard that there's concerns about West Nile in the Houston area. I've heard concerns about dengue fever in the Houston area. Uh, I've heard concerns about Zika. How many cases of Zika have been identified in Houston? And if we have not identified cases of Zika, should fear of Zika be one of the deciding factors that says spray, spray, spray with potentially toxic compounds? There's no easy answer uh, in, in this situation, but if the human health threat for mosquito-borne illnesses is being exaggerated for a public health decision, that needs to be discussed openly. And uh, responsible scientists who are experts in organophosphates uh, should be in, invited to opine, understanding that there's likely to be two sides of the question about safety of organophosphates. But we, we talk of Ray about N, N as in Nancy, being the number of people that are affected by a given illness, and we use that to make risk decisions in epidemiology. What is the N for people with Zika in the last month since uh, the right. devastation hit? Has there been any cases reported? I have not seen data that shows that there I, are. I have not. And After our next segment, we're going to go into some solutions for this, for our listeners, on how to survive the mold toxicity that's going to be coming in these floodwaters. You're listening to Healthy Choices XM. We just finished an interview with Dr. Richie Shoemaker talking about the scope of the toxic mold illnesses that in these flood ravaged areas. We have Dr. We have Jackie Meinhart, a board certified nurse practitioner joining us. Uh, Jackie, you've heard the the interview. We went through it. It seems a little bit like doom and gloom. It's a big problem, but there's there's some answers out there, aren't there? Oh my goodness, yes there are. Absolutely. And it is very scary for me as a practitioner watching the news being in Northern Virginia right outside of DC. You know, it, it is quite scary, and I I feel for everyone who is experiencing this right now. Um, as a provider, knowing what I know, I'm that fear goes or that concern goes a step further because I know there's going to be a segment of the population that is not going to get well once the area is cleaned up um, without certain medical. Um, you know, uh, without medical intervention, if you will. So for me, I do get concerned. And there are some easy things that practitioners um, 
you know, down there can do to help their patients. There's certain things patients can do to be um, proactive and to, you know, um, empower themselves about how they can take care of their own health. Because don't forget, they have to take care of themselves as well. And sometimes, you know, That's some right. of the easiest things, um, you right. know, are, are a good place to start. So. Well, mm-hmm. And that's what we're, that's what our show's about. Healthy Choices, you're listening to Healthy Choices XM. Uh, we always want people to take responsible, take responsibility for their health. And that's, we, we're here to educate people as to what the problem is. We're going to come back the second half of our show. We're going to come up with some simple tests that people can do to identify if they are at risk. So you want to come back at, in a few minutes, you can always text us at 512-219-0724. You're listening to Healthy Choices XM. We're going to be back with Dr. Richie Shoemaker, and also Jackie Meinhart. We'll be back in just a moment.
Let's talk about your healthy choices. We have room for you right now. Toll free at 877-956-9566. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Healthy Choices XM as we're broadcasting live here on XM on this Saturday afternoon. We're broadcasting from Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Ray Solano. And we're talking today about toxic mold. If you've just joined us, we, we're going to do a interview with Dr. Richie Shoemaker talking about biotoxin illnesses. And we have jo- have Jackie Meinhardt, board-certified family practice nurse practitioner practicing out of Virginia Center of Health and Wellness, joining us today to give a little bit of commentary on toxic mold. And as an active practitioner, she sees so many of these patients, and we appreciate the work that she does. And you can always call us at 877-956-9566 or text us anytime, even if this is a rebroadcast, at 512-219-0724. And check out our website, healthychoicesxm.com, and also our new e-commerce store that uh, has some of the products that we talk about on today's show. Jackie, uh, welcome back. Uh, and we, as we go into this next segment with uh, Dr. Richie Shoemaker, we're going to talk about a test that anybody can be able to to use for for a simple diagnostic. Because sometimes it's very expensive. Some of these treatments for uh, biotoxin and mold illnesses, isn't it? Absolutely, and thank you again for having me, Ray. I certainly appreciate being on and, uh, and, and helping people understand. There are some very easy things that patients can do, one of which is something called the visual contrast test, which is an easy test that can be done actually on the computer in the comfort of your own home, um, at a library computer screen, for example. You can even do it on a, on a paper version as well if your provider has the ability to do that in the office. But, yes. The visual contrast test is something that anyone can do virtually from anywhere. And we wanted to, uh, if we can get your your website out quickly for our listeners, some people may want to be able to uh, get your contact information while they're listening to the interview with Dr. Richie Shoemaker. Of course. I would love to be able to communicate with the patients out there and anyone who has questions regarding this disease process. Um, My name is Jacqueline Meinhardt. I'm a nurse practitioner at the Virginia Center for Health and Wellness. Um, Our phone number is 703-327-2434, and the website is www.vc4hw.com. Well, that's great, and we'll come back to you afterwards, and we'll get that information again. We're going to get started with the, the second half of our interview with Dr. Richie Shoemaker. Sean? Well, welcome back. I've got Dr. Richie Shoemaker We've been able to have him by telephone to be able to give us some, in the first half of our show, we talked about the problem that is going to occur, that has occurred from these floodwaters with the mold and also to be able to, people to understand that these, these toxins are not just a simple allergy that can be taken uh, with this, you know, some people think it's a simple antihistamine or drops. This is a a complete immunological change that's going to occur for patients. And unfortunately, the first half of our show was a lot of gloom and doom, but as always, we always give solutions because people have choices in medicine. And this is what our show is about, and Dr. Richie Shoemaker's website is survivingmold.com. Dr. Shoemaker, we talked about some simple tests 
that people can now understand their risks and be able to assess their their exposure. If you can give our listeners a review of the visual contrast sensitivities test that you have been able to put together. Glad to, and, and, and thank you for the opportunity to let people know that every time we look at Pandora's box and all these terrible things are let loose in the world, when you open the box up, at the very bottom is a little butterfly called hope, and that butterfly <laughs> is a symbol that there are things we can do and have done for the last 20 years to take these problems that seemingly have no end. They get any number of names given, post-traumatic stress disorder, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome. You're going to hear all of these different things, and they likely are wrong. If there is inflammation caused by exposure, the mechanism of injury is release of chemicals by our immune system we call them cytokines, inflammation-causing proteins usually. And these cytokines will reduce velocity of blood flow in the smallest beds of blood vessels called capillaries. We call this capillary hypoperfusion. That means reduced delivery of blood. And we can measure the neurologic effect of that reduced blood flow non-invasively in a test that takes five minutes that can be done at the bedside, can be done on your computer if you've got power uh, and you can run your computer. You can do the test of visual contrast sensitivity. Now, Ray, if I call that VCS, it's because I've been doing this for so long, but this contrast is one of the neurologic functions of vision. If you, you think about vision, uh, there's uh, the mechanism of, of light impulses hitting the retina being transmitted to nerves and the optic nerve goes to the back of the brain where these different signals are made into images that, that we call sight. But there are components. Near vision is not the same as far vision. We're not looking at those. We're not looking at static vision, motion vision, peripheral vision. We're not looking at low light. We're looking at contrast. Contrast is the ability to see an edge. The classic example is that if you are a jet pilot flying on a cloudy day over Italy and it's too gray background to see the gray gondola wire, what happens if you can't see that wire and you run your plane through it? Well, the gondola is going to go down. And sure enough, that that happened. Mm -hmm. Visual right. contrast sensitivity yeah. was developed by the U.S. Air Force. Uh, Art Ginsberg is one of the big players uh, at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. It's the ability to see an edge. If you go for your driver's license, you probably, if you get as old as I am, you're going to have to take an eye test. That pure white against pure black is a very high frequency uh, of what we call cycles per degree of visual arc, the, the stimulus to the neurons of contrast, that Snellen test is pure black and pure white. But what, Ray, if you took a gray background and put pure black against gray, you would be able to see the difference between black and gray, right? Sure, well, sure. Sure. Let's reduce the blackness or whiteness of the intensity by 0.15 log units from position one to position two it starts to get a little less distinct. And how about position three and four? 
as you gradually make the signal intensity to equal the background, the ability to see an edge disappears. That's called contrast. If we then take the impulses of contrast and plot that on a graph, we get a visual contrast sensitivity curve. Now, my introduction to visual contrast sensitivity came from the work of Dr. Kenneth Hudnell. He was working for EPA, the National Health and Environmental Effects Research Effects Labs, in Research Triangle Park back in the late 90s when a new toxin-forming organism called Fisteria was killing fish in the Noose River Basin and along the, the estuaries of the Outer Banks. Well, here was a toxin illness that didn't give any abnormalities in standard blood tests. CBCs are fine. Blood tests are fine. It's not a kidney problem. No tests were positive except Dr. Hudnell was an expert in visual contrast and showed that the only thing that picked out people with this toxin illness were abnormalities of the shape of the curve, the visual contrast sensitivity. Oh, boy, what, a, what an advance. Dr. Hudnell taught me how to do that. And my work was to look with a dual laser Doppler. Got a chance to borrow it from the Heidelberg Retinal Flow Meter Group, $150,000 machine. And we showed wow. the basis of reduced delivery of, of red blood cells in capillaries gave rise to the visual contrast deficit that Dr. Hudnell had first postulated and shown. But then when we treated patients, with medication that took care of toxin carriage, the velocity of blood flow went back to normal and the visual contrast sensitivity deficit went away. And over the course of years, what we were able to show, and there were some people that deliberately exposed themselves to inside the water damage buildings if they had a show causation of illness, say for a lawsuit, and what we know is that the VCS, up oh, there I go, VCS deficit appeared about 36 hours after exposure. So when Hurricane Harvey is gone by and the all clear to come back in your home, here the moisture from the uh, water gave rise to microbial growth that was becoming measurable in two days. That's all it takes. And wow. the illness can be shown in those with HLA-based or genetic susceptibility 36 hours later. So we can use visual contrast. It gives extremely low false positive. There is a false negative rate of about 8%. Uh, usually it's the younger folks, some teenagers, especially uh, younger women, but then also people with kind of a, their own genetic basis for a good eye. And it's interesting that baseball players and photographers and uh, artists and interior designers and tennis players, for example, can maintain normal visual contrast despite being sick. But for the vast majority of us, VCS will show a typical deficit. We have that on our website, our computer-based deficit. Uh, there is going to be uh, some funding that we are almost complete that will render this cost either trivial or zero for people who access uh, the, the Surviving Mold website. Uh, it's www.survivingmold.com. The VCS test will give you a printout that you can take to your physician together with your group of symptoms because in addition to causing a VCS deficit, folks will have 
a multi-system, multi-symptom illness. So if you're working away, cleaning out your house, drying out your house, fans are running, you're doing everything, and you feel fine, you may be one of the 75%. That's the vast majority of people that don't get this biotoxin illness. But if you're one of the 25%, the fatigue that you have, it's made worse by activity so that if you have a day where you exercise a little more or do a little more and you crash, you get worse, that's, 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 a, that's a, a, a big warning sign for you. Delayed recovery from normal activity or post-exertional malaise, as the CDC will call it, is a warning to look out. And if you have cognitive issues, and my gracious, they appear not after nine days, they appear after four and five days. This is alarming at inflammation in blood vessels that line the brain, weaken the blood-brain barrier, let inflammation-causing chemicals get into the brain, change brain physiology, such that two months after the inflammation begins, we can actually see prospectively development of a fingerprint of injury in the brain using an FDA-cleared software program called NeuroQuant. So if you start with visual contrast, say you do the test every third day, and everything and you don't need fine. a you don't need a prescription for a VCS test. You can just do something. This is something you can just go to your website, survivingmold.com. So it's available to everybody, correct? And, and it, it gives you results instantaneously. Did you pass or fail? Uh, that simple, needs to be looked test. at by a physician. It's real simple. It's yes or no. There's, uh, despite the gray on gray idea, there's no gray analysis for VCS. Yes or no. But Perfect. if you have Perfect. a VCS test and multiple health symptoms. We've done statistics in the past, again, thousands of patients. The likelihood that a VCS deficit and multi-system, multi-symptom illness taken together does not mean a biotoxin illness is about 1.5%. It is incredibly accurate. Now, we do blood tests. There's a whole series of protocols that we follow. The protocols work. When people decide that they know more than we do, and that's human nature, and they do things a little differently, it doesn't work. When we look to see removal from exposure as the first step, and it is, how can you be removed from exposure if your home is still wet? How can you be removed exposure if you still have microbial growth? Uh, it means that there's a certain amount of risk that you're trying to mitigate by looking for documentation of the onset of your illness. You're listening to Healthy Choices XM. We're broadcasting live from Austin, Texas uh, on this Saturday afternoon. We're joining with Dr. Jackie Meinhart, nurse practitioner, Virginia Center of Health and Wellness, and she's with us on our show today as we were doing an interview with Dr. Richie Shoemaker as he's listing out all of the, the risks of this toxic mold. We call it the second storm that's going to occur. Jackie, we... We heard from from Richie, and he laid out some interesting tests, and I think that's what you like to do is make it simple for patients uh, so that they then they can be very overwhelmed by the diagnosis, all these tests, all these names, and all they do was they just want to get they just want to feel better. Mm-hmm. But, he, but these the maybe if you can go into uh, a little bit more detail to give our listeners 
you know, some the, the first and second and third steps. And, may, you know, is this VCS test something that you liked for your patients? Absolutely. I actually recommend the visual contrast test, otherwise known as Dr. Shoemaker mentioned, the VCS test. It's been around for a very long time, um, developed again by the U.S. military, by the Air Force. Um, it's very well validated. Um, and it has been proven useful um, in early identification within um, at least two days exposure to the interior of a water damaged wow. building. You can identify wow. exposures. Now, it's important to note that, you know, anyone who goes into a severely moldy environment um, or a water damaged building, likely everyone's probably not going to feel well. The key is, is when People leave the environment, they go outside, or they, they relocate potentially, hopefully, to a clean environment, um, people typically start to feel better. But again, there is this genetically predisposed population that will be unable to recover. Um, and that's where, you know, we, we see patients who have a very predictable, multi-system, multi um, symptom disease process. And the visual contrast test is something that I use in my toolbox every single day with every single patient, um, new or return patient, because again, it is so well validated and we can trust the results. Now, this is go to the website survivingmold.com. I believe it's on there on that website. It's easy for anybody to, to be able to follow the sequence of steps. It's a very minimal charge. I think, I think I saw it for fifteen dollars. I don't think you can do anything in medicine today for something that inexpensive, but also so beneficial. So I think Absolutely. that would be the first, the, the first step. What would be the the you know if you're listening to this show and you have relatives in these uh, these flood ravaged areas, uh, what would be the next step uh, for the our listeners that they should do? Absolutely. Um, well, as you said, the visual contrast test, anyone can do that from any computer terminal. Um, again, it's a very easy yes or no questionnaire. It takes anywhere from five to ten minutes to do, depending on your connection, of course, right? Um, and we have to remember that these people are in areas where they may or may not have good connectivity. Um, you can even do it from your cell phone. So there's also um, a good wow. benefit there or your iPad or any sort of um, mobile device. So um, the visual contrast test is a wonderful first place to start. Um, number two is identifying the situation that you're in, right? I mean, identifying that there is mold and realizing that you need to get out of the environment. Um, and oftentimes people will say, oh, mold's not going to hurt you. It's, it's fine. Just clean it up and move on. Um, when we know, again, in that genetically predisposed population, it's going to be much harder for them to recover um, physically. Um, so, and then of course, always consult with a medical practitioner, whether it be your physician, your nurse practitioner, your physician's assistant, depending on what state you're in, please contact your healthcare provider. Um, and that should always be the first step after the visual contrast test. And also your, your website information again for our listeners, could we promise that we have a couple people asking for that. Of course. Uh, it's www.vc, the number 4hw, vc4hw.com. 
that's an interesting one as well. And, and, and just to, for our, our listeners, that website is survivingmold.com. And also you can ch- uh, check out uh, our other sponsors helping us with this show is Hopkinton Drugs, Rx and health.com they have an interesting they have a website is very resourceful for our listeners and and also uh, our our website is also you can check healthychoicesxm.com and you know there's also there's a whole suite of different types of uh, protocols we call uh, that you follow for the patients and they get results there's some pharmaceuticals cholestyramine we had a lot of patients bag spray these are just this alphabet soup of of formulations that we have found but you know what we found it's better today than it was 10 years ago right jackie absolutely absolutely and i am so pleased um you know that i am so lucky to participate in someone's health journey because i see people getting better i hear them getting better i see their visual contrast test changing um you know with treatment and that's the exciting part as a provider is to be able to stand there and lay witness to someone, not only just tell you, you know, I'm getting better, but then to also see the results in the visual contrast test, which, again, is usually the very first step um, when we're talking about identification of patients and exposures to water damage buildings or to biotoxin illnesses, because there's a couple there. Um, not just mold, um, but we need to be able to identify these people and then be able to watch them get better through blood work, very specific blood work, um, and this repair of their innate innate immune system activation that's happened. It's, it's a wonderful process. Um, it's a hard process, um, but it's wonderful when you have patients and you're invited on that health journey with them. And I think that's the key. It's a hard process because we have some uh, off-label medications. Uh, you know, you and I, we've worked with the RG3 nasal spray to reduce the inflammation in the brain while they're trying to get away from all the mold exposure. You know, there's a, a, another formula after they've gotten rid of all the exposure and gotten rid of all the infections, uh, a VIP or a vasoactive intestinal peptide nasal spray. So there's lots of solutions out there, but they may want to uh, get a hold of you or a- any one of us in our, at, at our pharmacy or text us to be able to be able to get some other answers. Because I don't think how many practitioners in the country are knowledgeable on these protocols, Jackie. You know, I, I, if you look on the Surviving Mold website, there is a list of certified practitioners who have gone through special training with Dr. Richie Shoemaker. Um, he's an amazing teacher. He's so brilliant. Um, and it's been a pleasure to work with him, um, you know, ar- around this process. I have learned so much. Um, there are providers who understand the process, um, I do encourage people to become uh, physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants, what have you. I do encourage people to become certified in the program because it is an extremely complicated disease process with, again, a multi-system, multi-body system illness that compounds and affects every single part of someone's life. These patients are extremely complicated, and it takes That's a right. lot of time and detailed history 
and review a system to be able to identify the systems that have become affected, but then to also, as you're treating them, right, because you just don't want to treat them everyone with everything at one time because it's overwhelming for a patient, you want to be able to do a stepwise clinically appropriate decision-making with the patient um, regarding That's different good. types of treatment. Yep. Well, Jackie, we're going to have you back on again and, and Virginia Center for health and wellness in all the Virginia. We like, and we appreciate your time today, Jackie. And we think we've helped a lot of people today. And we're going to have back on some of the pharmaceutical solutions in the next, uh, our next show with Dr. Richie Shoemaker. So we'll be back next week on Healthy Choices XM. And that website is www.vc4hw.com. And Jackie, thanks again. And uh, we're going to have you back on again. Is that okay? That's awesome, Ray. Thank you so much for having me. I certainly appreciate it. And thank you to Dr. Shoemaker. It's been a wonderful journey. Well, great. Everybody have a great weekend and call us if you need us. Thank you.